Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton, and I'm here today to answer a bunch of listener fan questions from various places on the internet where you might be able to find me. Um, I'm also with my good friend, Zach Alexander, who is from 42 North Bouldering. Yeah. Is that is that the full name, 42 North Bouldering? That's it. And 42 North is a new venture of yours. Mm-hmm. You are essentially, and this is something I think we'll cover in the future. Like we'll, we'll circle back and hear where you're at, but um, you're quitting your job. Yep. Effective March. End of March, beginning of April. And venturing out on this solo thing 42 north bouldering so tell me a little bit about 42 north and what it's going to be sure um in my mind as it sits i'm sure it'll evolve some as time goes on you know 42 north is going to have a few parts to it but maybe the biggest part especially initially is going to be a resource for wyoming bouldering you know, You're working on a guidebook for the rock shop. I'm right working now. on a guidebook for the rock shop. That'll be uh, maybe the first l- big production part of the 42 North, and there will be s- other information, other resources on the website outside of the rock shop. But I'll have a rock shop guidebook hopefully out early this summer 2021, and then. The other part of 42 North will be, maybe this is uh, more of like my personal exploration into using rock climbing as my medium for personal development and how that is applied to like, you know, improving at rock climbing, but also the greater person of me, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're someone who's been following Power Company for a long time, that's something you can probably relate to, you know, that resonates with you because that's a lot of what we have tried to do to kind of create better humans through the guise of rock climbing. Yeah, it's just our medium. Yeah, totally. And this is kind of a treat for me, actually. Um I had mentioned to you on a number of occasions, uh, Zach and I are climbing partners. We climb outside quite a bit together. We climb in the gym quite a bit together. And you're one of the more thoughtful, um, one of the climbers who puts a lot of thought into what they're doing in the gym and outside and just in, in climbing and in life in general. And I've talked to you on a number of occasions about you should come on the podcast and you should talk about some things. And you're like, no way, you know? And now that you're moving into this 42 North, you kind of have to start putting things out into the public. Sure. Well, it's a flattering of you to say that stuff. I'm not 
totally sure if I agree, but it's uh, it's nice to hear. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, I've had my, I'm sure lots of people can uh, relate to this, but my reservations about being more public with some of my thought processes and, you know, whatever else. But if, you know, I'm changing spheres in my life, so to speak, and um, this has, it makes sense to be part of that change. So, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad it's happening. And if nothing else, I'm just glad I get to trap you into talking on microphones as much as we have recently. Sure. Um, we've been, and this is why you're here today, you know, helping me answer these questions because we've been working on an online course yeah. uh, called Boulder Builder, which is going to be a, one of the components of a larger home wall series of courses. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and Boulder Builder is essentially, if you already have a set board or a spray wall that already has holds on it and you're you're trying to make up boulders, which is something that a lot of people struggle with, making up really effective boulders in an efficient manner. Um, this course kind of goes in depth on all the things we could come up with in that vein. More in depth than I think either of us thought we were going to go. Certainly me. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a much smaller course, like a you know, $29 kind of a thing. But at this point, there are, there's over three hours of discussions of you and I talking. Wow. And there's almost two hours of example videos. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a lengthy, is it lengthy or lengthy? What is it? I, I don't it, know. It's got to be lengthy. Lana would know. Lana would. I don't know about this L-Y that you're throwing in. Lana the would revel in me making the mistake if yeah. she was here. So it's one of those. Um, but it's far more lengthy than we thought it would be. Yeah, it's kind of maybe at a first thought, you know, it seems <clears throat> like not such a long topic. But then when you dive into it and you try to break the information down in a way that you can present it to others so that they have something to digest and take away from it. It became more of an endeavor than I expected for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of why, like we've been teasing this for a couple of years. I've been talking about, I want to do some episodes on home walls. I want to make some home wall videos. I started a home wall video series on YouTube mm -hmm. and then pretty quickly, like, ran into a place where I'm like, I don't, I don't have the medium yet in which to, to convey what I really need to, you know, I didn't have the skills to make the videos I needed because I wanted more in-depth conversation, but I also wanted videos to show examples. And it just seemed like there wasn't a good place. And this course that we're building makes it all work in my mind. And that's why we're doing this podcast now to answer some of the questions and let you know what answers you can find in the course. Um, and there, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, there'll be a link to the course uh, down in the description that will answer a lot of these questions far more in depth. And if you're listening on the podcast, same thing right there in your show notes in your pocket supercomputer. Um, so let's jump into these questions. Sounds good. And um, 
I'm going to try to give credit where credit is due for these questions, but if I mess up your names, sorry. You're just going to have to live with it. It's sometimes reading names on Instagram, you don't know where the pauses should be. Yeah. What is it a handle? Is that what you call it on Instagram? Yeah, yes. exactly. yeah. Well, it's not even a, is it a name then? Well, even if it is, you know, yeah. like if someone's name is Evan something, how do I know it's not Eva in something, yeah. you know? So sure. it's damn near impossible unless I happen to know you or have talked to you. So we're going to try to give credit. First question is from RJ Omen and we have met. I hope Minnesota is good right now. Um, climate control hacks, interestingly, from Minnesota. Uh, heat, AC, humidity, things like that. How do you deal with those in your home wall? And all of these questions are based around the home wall experience. That's what I asked people okay. what they wanted to know about. Um, so what are the climate control hacks? Uh, well, in my mind, first and most important is, you know, you have your resources available to make your space as comfy as possible, whether it's heating or cooling or whatever it may be. But out, after you've utilized your resources as effectively as possible, then it's your mindset. You know, if it's cold in the gym, then you know that it's cold in there and you take your puffy <clears throat> and you prepare yourself. And that's like first and foremost. Yep. If, and if you know it's going to be hot, you go in there expecting yeah. that that's what it's going to be. Yeah, you take your water, maybe, you know, you could have your resources, but that's that's the first thing is, you know, if you're going into a space to, to climb, to practice, to get better, to train, whatever it is, however you frame it, then your mindset is the first step. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we do have quite a few things in the gym, uh, in the machine shop. Oh, it's very comfy. To help us out. And, and I do that largely because I want to remove as many excuses as possible mm -hmm. and have it be totally about you, you know, um, so that you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And we have a big window AC unit, like an industrial, not a major industrial unit, but uh, larger than a normal small unit you would put in a window of a house. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have a propane heater um, with a propane line running outside and it's a propane heater that's meant to work in, in indoor spaces, you know, unvented spaces. I think that's important to know. You don't want a sure. propane heater that needs a ton of ventilation. Um, otherwise you're just letting all your heat out. Um, and then we also have, because the room is fairly tall, we have fans up in the upper corners that push the heat down. Um, which I think is necessary. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of times when we've heated the room and we're all sitting on the pads and it feels still pretty chilly down there, but you get to the top of the wall and it's blazing hot up there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's helpful. And you have uh, lots of windows and doors for when you're in that middle zone and you don't necessarily want yep. to use the electricity for the AC. And it's we're in Wyoming. It's cool outside often. So... Yep. And one of the tricks of like this, like climate control inside your gym is that you're using a ton of chalk in there too. And it can get very, very chalky if you're not willing to 
open the doors and windows and let the AC out or let the heat out, Mm -hmm. you know, and one way, one thing you could do is use liquid chalk. I know a lot of people who do that. I'm not a fan in in the really dry climate here. It also tends to, to make me split more often Mm. if I'm using a lot of liquid chalk and I just get too dry. Um, but one thing we've done and it's not a great solution, but it does work a little bit is just using filters like you would, like you would put in a furnace in your house, um, on the backs of the box fans that are up high. And it does collect a lot of chalk. You have to be pretty diligent about shaking them out, which I am not. Yeah. But we're pretty good about vacuuming. We do vacuum a lot. Try to keep the the chalk that builds up off the mats. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a bit you can do there. Um, Bob also asked about humidity, dehumidifiers in particular is what he asked about. But in here, sometimes I I feel like I would need a humidifier even because it gets so dry mm. inside the gym when we're heating it. Well, I think I kind of maybe run on the slightly sweatier side of skin. So it's, I mean, you know, in the same vein, whether it's hot in the gym or I'm sweaty on the slopers in there, I mean, I just take it with a grain of salt. That's like not my space for measuring performance as much as that's my space for practice. So if I don't get to climb the hardest sloper project, but instead I find a sloper climb that's maybe slightly easier, but still challenges me because my skin is sweaty or whatever it may be, I'm I'm accepting of that. So I I can't imagine uh, making the room more humid personally, (laughs) but uh, I also, I mean... Well, Bob's in the Midwest and you're never going to want to make it more humid out there. When I climbed on a spray wall in West Virginia in the summer and in Kentucky in the summer, I just knew that that was the case that I was walking into. And I can't personally, I wouldn't uh, spend the money on a dehumidifier. That's, it just wouldn't line up that for me and that, that value, that return on investment. But if it makes sense for you and your space and you feel like it would help you be more effective or put your brain in a better place yeah. for your session, then I mean, by all means. Yeah. I think it can be a really valuable tool. Yeah. You know, if, if it does that for you, if it takes you out of that excuse space, I've considered that we all end up in bringing my portable fan into the machine shop before so that I could have it cl- <laughs> more, like more closer to the holds or just closer to my yeah. hands in between. Yeah. So. Especially when we're climbing with like Lana who wants it to be 85 degrees in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a, then we have to like sneak windows open and uh, yeah. hope she doesn't notice things sure. like that. Turn so. the heater off when she's not looking. Yeah. So good question, Bob. And I think, you know, if any of you guys have, have other specific ways to do it. We've kind of only hit the surface level stuff there. Leave it in the comments or hit us up on the Instagram or something with suggestions. I'd love to hear any more about it. Uh, Next question comes from Ethan Salvo. What does your ideal home wall look like? And then it's kind of paired up with a question from, I think, Evan Beyer. This is one of those Ava N. Beyer. Who knows? Um, Space for one wall. What angle spray wall or board and i think those are both the same question they hit on the same point if you could choose whatever you wanted what would it be and it would 
very closely resemble the machine shop. I feel the same. Yeah. Big 45. I don't think it needs to be any steeper personally. Um, and I've got a whole episode on YouTube about choosing wall angle um, and things you might want to think about. So you can check that out if you have more questions about angle. But for me, 45, if I could only choose one, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But we have the luxury of not having to choose one. So we also have a 20-degree wall with the transition in between the two and a campus board and hangboard station and kettlebells. Yep. Um, so for me, that's the ideal gym. I mean, I guess if, you know, resources were unlimited and I still was limited to one wall, there would be some things that could be tweaked. But on the whole, a big spray wall at, or a spray wall at 45 degrees, uh, beyond that, if you, you are your own limiter as to what you get out of it. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people complain that 45 is too steep, like they can't use small enough holds on 45 and i think that's more a limitation in the creativity of your setting than it is in your you know in the the ability of the 45 to accommodate sure um yes the holds are going to be a little bigger but neither of us climb v14 and not yet and we can use pretty small holds on the 45 i think uh, I mean, I think objectively we use small holds. I think if I lived somewhere else where the climbing style was really tended towards a specific angle and I was building a wall with a fixed angle, then maybe I could cater that wall angle more specifically to my objectives. Because I I mean, if I was a sport climber and lander, I'd probably spend more time climbing on the 20 degree angle or something closer to that outside. So it wouldn't, if it was, if my wall was 30 degrees or 40 degrees, I wouldn't consider it a huge hindrance. And if I spend a lot of time roof climbing, then maybe 60 degree wall angle could be Mm -hmm. slightly more beneficial than the 45, but the 45 is great. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a riddle for you. And I think I explored this a little in the wall angle YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have that ability to climb on that angle a lot outside, is that the angle you want in your gym or do you want a different angle in there so that you're better prepared when you take trips and things like that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it just depends on what your goals are. Like if you're taking a lot of trips and you care about that stuff, then maybe that's what you want. You know, you want, you're like, I get my steep climbing outside. So I'll do my lower angle climbing when I practice on the gym. And, you know, that's, That'll all be more well-rounded that way. Um, It's totally circumstantial, like all of these things. But say I was a climber and I was climbing in pre-straw all the time and that's where my biggest goals were, you know, roof climbing or something like that. Then maybe I wouldn't build my spray wall to be a dead roof. But climbing at 60 degrees, I get the transference into the roof stuff. And, you know, I can, I have a little bit more transfer into your 40 to maybe even 30 degree territory on like overhanging steep terrain outside that's not a roof so it doesn't have to be exact yeah and we were we were climbing yesterday in the gym filming for the boulder builder course and and i remarked to you that the problem you were climbing on 
because it sort of traverses low on the 45 with your feet at the same level as your hands, it's tracking, is essentially like roof climbing. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things in Waco that are considered roofs that are essentially you're just traversing across a 45-degree wall or 60-degree wall or something like that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, roof climbing is traversing because you never change heights, you know? So right. it, it would depend on how you define those things and where you draw your lines. But <clears throat> definitely there's a higher level in my mind, there's a higher level of skill transfer there in that steep wall traversing with my hands at the same level to roof climbing than another way of climbing on that wall. So you could more specifically hone into a certain style or skill set if you kind of broaden how you think about these things. Yep. And you said spray wall specifically, that's you, you would go that direction over one of the set boards. Yeah, I would. I would personally. I mean, I think the set boards are sweet. I think there's a lot of benefits to them. I think they're, I have a blast when I climb on them. I think the mirroring style of systems boards and what that lets you do has a lot of value and utility. But if I had to choose one, you know, what an unfortunate world, I would, yeah, I would choose a spray wall. Yeah. Why? Um, I just feel like in the end, there's more possibilities. And on top of that, I have more fun. Sure. So, and if, you know, if that fun equates to me getting more sessions in or having a higher level of energy in my sessions, then that's worth it to me. And in the end, I'm not a professional climber. I'm not, my living does not come from this. I don't want it necessarily to come from my climbing performance. So I care a lot about it, but you know, and hold variety. There's other reasons too. Yeah. And I, I did a whole episode podcast episode on this with the guys at tension climbing, um, because they have both in their tension training center, you know, yep. they've got a huge spray wall and they've got their tension board, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, they make a living off of selling the tension board, but they love their spray wall. So, so they have great opinions on that. And you can check that episode out. Um, I'm also spray wall fan. I I love the skill of making up boulders and and like learning how to connect movement together. Mm-hmm. I think it's a skill that transfers really well to going outside, especially if you're developing new boulders or you know climbing on things that you've not seen video of, which is a rarity these days, you know. But but it helps figure out movement. It helps you be more creative when when you're making up problems and figuring out how they work instead of, oh, I'm going to scroll to this problem on the moon board and then I'm going to go to Ravioli Biceps account and see how he did it and then I'm going to do that beta. You know, there's there's a lot of creativity that's possible there that you just skipped over. Yeah, um, I do think, I mean, you could still <clears throat> set your own boulders on. You can. Could, treat the and moon should. board like a spray wall or whatever and yeah. not look at the app and come up with your own your own boulder problems so yeah but it's easier to fall into that trap or i mean it also has its benefits of yeah. just using that resource rather than exercising your own creativity yeah i do like that there are a bunch more boards coming online you know that used wow, to just be lot. the moon board now there's the there's moon there's tension there's kilter grasshopper is a new one 
Um, their board looks really interesting, more like a kind of traditional spray wall, but in a mirrored version, um, which is similar to how I envisioned a system wall to look in mm -hmm. the engine room in Cincinnati. And I've written quite a bit about that. Um, and I really do like that style, but I'm going spray wall every time. Sure. All right. Next one uh, from Justin Friend. Warming up on a steep wall with mostly bad holds. And I mean, a the first question is, why don't you have any good holds? Um, you certainly can. And there are, there are low profile good holds that exist out there. Um, the escape screw on jugs that we have, the mini jugs, and those orange Dualtex escape jugs that we have in the machine shop are super low profile. They don't take up much wall space. Nor do those, um, mm. I don't know what they're called, but the the big tension in cuts that are on oh, sure. on the Woodman boulder. Yep, they're like XL jugs or whatever they are. Yeah, yep. if there was a crimp right above that, I wouldn't be afraid of dry firing off the crimp and just blasting my hand into that as much as I would a lot of other jugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you do have a wall, like some people can't warm up well on the moonboard. It, you know, they, they're not quite at the level where those holds feel comfortable to them. And warming up on that board is hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what you can do, number one, get your body warmed up well before you get on the wall. Get your fingers warmed up before you get on the wall if you can. You can do that just by hanging on the holds. Huge. That's much less force than, than climbing. You know, you can hang in different positions to get your shoulders ready before you're loading them in a dynamic way on the wall. Um, and then you can do one move at a time, you know, or two moves at a time. You don't have to do whole boulders that really tax you when you're warming up. No, I think the big thing is to think creatively about scaling down the intensity of what you're doing so that you can take steps into climbing on this steep wall with bad holds. I, you know, a lot of us, when we've gone climbing outside, we've gone straight to our project because of the lack of warmups around. And I don't see why we couldn't use those tactics in this same situation here for your warmup. You could stand on the ground and choose two holds that you like and pull into them at whatever your preferred level yep. of intensity is without yep. ever lifting Gradually your feet. Gradually raise the intensity. Yeah. To stepping on the wall, to doing a move whatever your steps are, but I think that that's the way to do it. Once you've done your, your movement prep or whatever you want to call it these days, get your heart yep. rate up, get some blood in all of your appendages. Yep. And this is one of the reasons I like having a wall that doesn't change over time or just gets added to, but, but keeps a lot of the same problems in existence because once I have problems dialed in, that might have felt pretty extreme when I first did them, they're dialed and I feel like I could do them much less warmed up than before. Oh, absolutely. You know? And if I had a moon board, personally, I would invest in a set of jugs and put them on the side of the board somewhere yep. where I felt like it wasn't in the way, but let me start moving. Yep, absolutely would. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, next one from Ongoing Odyssey. How do you get a variety of holds? Woof. And and this is, I mean, this is actually a pretty good question. Um, holds are expensive. 
number one, if you're buying holds, especially from good companies, and they should cost money. I mean, they're if you're buying holds from a good company, they're going to be a better quality hold, you know, across the board. Um, you can also, I mean, starting from the bottom here, you can just make your own, number one. We used to have two-by-fours. We still have a few on the machine shop wall. You know, we have a lot of wooden holds that were homemade or you know, sent to us by people or, you know, just carved in somebody's garage nearby. There's some rocks on the wall. There are rocks on the wall. Yep. Um, we have a bunch of holds from Todd Skinner's old Woody that were pieces of hand railings that had just been chopped up and put on his system wall. Um, and those are on some of our most popular problems. Yeah. Those are actually great. Yeah. So, so there's all sorts of ways you can be creative and come up with more holds. And then as you get the money to buy the holds you really want, you know, switch them out. Totally fine. You can also ask your local gyms. They're, they're pretty regularly getting rid of older holds that have either lost their texture or chipped or whatever. Um, especially older gyms probably have a stockpile of old slippery holds that the setters don't want to use anymore or that the clients will complain about if they use um and then check ebay craigslist those things there are always holds being sold away on there and frankly over this next 12 24 months there are going to be so many people unloading the holds they bought for their home walls because they've stopped using them um that you know, if you're dedicated to using yours like we are here, you'll be able to find all sorts of deals if you're diligent about looking. And just be picky about what you buy. You know, I I would suggest not buying tons of big footprint holds. Um, even if you love it, even if it's the hold at the gym that you absolutely fell in love with, if it's going to take up a ton of space on your wall and you don't have a lot of space, then maybe skip that hold, you know consider that yeah uh next up and we're this kind of goes along with what i was just talking about um two similar questions from craig ferber and claire fields um craig wanted to know about using big holds on a small wall and claire said even a moderately large jug blocks five bolt holes on her wall Hmm. and i think that's it's easy to fall into that trap especially if you're coming from the modern commercial gym world because those holds that are being used in commercial gyms have a much larger footprint. You know, they have giant walls they need to fill up and make look like there's a lot of stuff on the wall. So they're using these holds with giant footprints and they, they look cool. You know, Mm -hmm. if I had unlimited space, I would absolutely have a wall full of giant holds and volumes. And, you know, it would be like a lot of the Japanese spray walls, you know, I think that stuff looks amazing, but I don't have that kind of space. So I try to find the jugs like the ones we've already mentioned from escape from tension that use very little space, you know, um, that don't have a high profile out from the wall or a big footprint, Yep. you know, and you brought up why the hold shouldn't have a profile sticking out from the wall. Yep. And that's and I've replaced quite a few holds for that reason because they stick out a little too far, and if you have a small hold above them, 
you're always afraid your knuckles are going to rake across it if you blow off. And maybe a small solution to that is the orientation of the hold, where if you have Mm -hmm. a jug where the part of the jug that you grab is facing up, so the jug is down pulling, then you have the largest profile of that hold at the top, so you can't put holds immediately above it, where if you turned it into an undercling, then maybe you would have the rounded part of that jug at the top of its footprint, and suddenly you could put a smaller hold above it, and your risk of raking your knuckles wouldn't be as high, but you still have a very big hold as an undercling that's very usable. Yeah, and then, you know, this this could be a negative for some people, but I actually quite like it, is that when you flip it to an undercling, maybe it's blocking a foothold that's under it. Maybe it turns into a blocker for another handhold. Sure. And I like having those extra challenges thrown in. Um, I just think it makes me better for it. I agree. And, you know, I, I think if you love and have to have a big hold on your wall, go for it. You know, sure. I, I needed the boss on our wall. It, I had to have it, period, you know. And so we have it. And I have other big holds on the wall because I needed big open hand slopers to feed my ego, basically. Um, so I have quite a few of those. And... One thing you can do that I think is a really interesting part of it, if you have bigger holds, don't be afraid to screw other holds onto them. You know, I'm not necessarily screwing handholds into other holds unless they're like thumb catches, things like that. But I do screw feet into our other holds, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a large hold that in itself is acting like a volume. I'll add some feet onto it to, you know, then you're using feet at different angles than you do do on the normal wall. So it can add a little space if you're creative. Yeah, surface area. Yeah, and the only reason I'm not adding handholds, I've seen it done quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just nervous about the pulling on the on the urethane, you know, with the screws. I prefer to have them in wood, and that's just me. You know, it might be totally safe in the urethane. I don't know. If you know, put it in the comments here. Um, Next up, Amanda Smith. Hi, Amanda. Um, Pros and cons of jibs versus heel hooking on home walls. And this is something we talk about quite a bit in the Boulder Builder course. Um, I think they're, they're just different animals. I think both should be allowed. You know, there are, there's some people who have this rule of you can't heel hook on a home wall or on a woody or on a spray wall. And I think that's utterly ridiculous. It's limiting. It's very limiting. You know, if you want someone to do a boulder without heel hooking, make the rule for that boulder. Like no heel hooking on that. You know, it's that easy. But what if you want to work on heel hooking? What if that's a weakness of yours? What if you, like many climbers who I see, don't actually understand how heel hooking works and you're just flopping your heel onto holds? Your home wall is a great place to learn it. So so I think it's extremely valuable to do both. You know, If you are a heel hook master and, and you use that as your crutch all the time, then yeah, call it out and just step on, step on holds and just use jibs. You know, I think they both have their pros. They both have their cons. There is a hundred percent space for both of them. In my perspective on your wall, 
know when to use them, know when not to use them. But why limit your potential utility on your practice ground? I don't get it. Yeah. And I do think, you know, there are times where if you make a boulder that's tracking and you're using big slopers or something, it it can become easier as a heel hook, you know? And then if you don't want that, if you just want people to step on the jibs, make that a rule. I think we have the room to make rules for individual boulder problems on our walls. I mean, that's one of the best ways to use your wall effectively is to create individual rules that, that allow you to get out of it what you want. Make rules for individual holds. Yeah, we do all the time. Yep. So, so yeah, I think, you know, unlike the, the kind of traditional, um, idea, you can't heel hook on a Woody. I, I disagree. I think it's a good thing. I've seen V13, V14 climbers fall out of heel hooks on the machine shop wall. So, so I know that there can be hard heel hooks. It's that simple. Uh, from Brian Roby. Training schedule on a home wall, shorter sessions versus mega sessions. And I'm, I'm, I sort of paraphrased this. So let me explain to you what I think he was saying that, that there's sort of an unlimited access to your home wall. So how do you schedule that? What, what makes more sense doing one or the other, or how do you keep yourself to one or the other? And I mean, Ultimately, it all comes down to what's your schedule, what are your objectives, you know. Um, I don't think there is one that's better than the other. They're just different. Yeah. What's your goal? What are your time constraints in your life? Make up, make a plan, make a decision as to what you're going to try to do. <clears throat> Practice diligence and self-control. Yeah. Have other hobbies so that going into your home wall isn't the only thing you do every time you're a little bored. Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer as to what's the best. It's all circumstantial. Sometimes mega sessions are better, sometimes short sessions are better, but yep. we all have lives that we're fitting our pursuit into, so yeah. Yeah, and I think generally speaking, you know, most people will equate mega sessions with sport climbers shorter sessions with boulders. I don't think that's true at all. I think that's just the way people tend to think. Um, I have a lot of my bouldering clients do mega sessions. You know, if they're, if they're going on a trip where they have five climbing days out of seven days on the trip, then we're going to do some mega sessions on their home wall so that they're prepared for those mega sessions outside. You know, and, and if they have, bouldering nearby their house and they escape for like after work sessions, you know, that last an hour and a half or two hours on a regular basis, then most of what we're going to do in the gym are shorter, more intense training sessions. Sure. Whatever you can do to be prepared for what you're going to be up against outside. I think that's the, the way to best use your home wall. If you're a rock climber, if it's, if it's just your thing for fun and you want to be better in your home gym, then by all means, do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky. I've spent a whole lot of time at Waco Tanks. And when you go on a tour there, you're out all day long and you could mimic that in your home wall where you warm up and then you rest, 
for a little bit. Yeah, you come back in, you do a little work, you yeah. go back out to your wall an hour later. Yeah, I mean, on those tours, you warm up, you go to someone else's project, maybe you're hanging out, and then you go to your project, and then you go to someone else's, and then you go to a different project, you know? Yeah. So the world is your oyster. Yeah, you... and the home wall is just such a great tool. I know it can be easy to overuse, you know? That's a question we got a lot in here was getting overuse injuries, bouldering, especially on a home wall. So exercising some diligence. Yeah, that's unfortunately and fortunately that's on you. You have the control to change it, but it's not always easy. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot more questions. We're going to do several more episodes of this instead of trying to pack them all into one because we'll be here for four or five hours if we do that. Um, and I've already talked Zach into recording way more than he ever anticipated he would be on camera or with a microphone in his face. That's absolutely true. Um, <laughs> so uh, when you're getting this, the Boulder Builder course is out and running. You can check it out at in the description on YouTube or in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer on the podcast. And you can find it at powercompanyclimbing.com with all the other things we do if you checking me out on the facebook or the instagram you can find it there you can soon you'll be able to find zach at 42 north is 42 north bouldering.com yep all right that'll be up and running fairly soon and we'll let you know when it is and until then um be on the twitter tell the people on the twitter send out the twits or the tweets or whatever happens on there about the boulder builder course because lots of your friends especially if they're climbing at your wall need to learn how to set better boulders i'm just being honest here um tweet about it uh but you're not going to find us there because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time, 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 this